The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbour as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. Let us say amen to the reading of God's word. Would you turn with me again in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12 and verse 28. John Mark wrote, One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he, Jesus, had answered well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all. The term commandment comes from the Hebrew word mizwa. It can mean a mandate given by God or the charge of God to us to make us responsible. The psalmist David used this word commandment when we read Psalm 91 and verse 11. And we heard the devil trying to twist them and repeat them to Jesus when he tried to tempt him. It says, He, God, shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. In the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments are also called the words from God, or ten words from God. And to understand them clearly, we need to understand something of the Jewish tradition. For in the Jewish tradition, there were 613 laws or commandments that are recorded in the Old Testament. And this was a monumental task for any person or people to remember and to keep. So it was 
important for the individual according to the Jewish scribe to know which was the most important or which was the first of the commandment. Jesus responded to his asker or the person who questioned him out of the scripture. He didn't just give them an answer off the cuff. But Jesus gave them an answer out of the Shema. The central doctrinal statement of the Jewish people. The Lord our God is one Lord. That sentence or that tenant or doctrine is at the center of monotheism or the center of the doctrine about one God, not polytheism. And so when Jesus answered the Herodians and the Pharisees, the scribe said he answered well. What he did was right because they were the writers of the Jewish law. They spent years studying the Jewish law and they would protect it with all their lives. The scribe said, Jesus answered well. And there's a lesson here today for Christian people. Jesus, because he answered out of the scriptures, there could be no contradiction, no controversy, because he had gone back into their ancient history and tradition, into their religion, and he had come out with an answer. The lesson we can learn is that we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide our thinking. Earlier on, the bishop said, you must learn the scripture. You must learn the text. You cannot answer out of the scripture until you read and understand what the scripture is saying. Jesus' answer penetrated into the hearts and the mind of his hearers. And we can use God's words to silently penetrate into the hearts of lives of men and women, whether we testify or we preach, but more than all, that we live. But always our answer must be out of our experience with the word of God. That will engage the mind and the thoughts of people. There are some times when we speak 
And it would seem that our words go over people's head. But when we live under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, what we say individually or collectively is powerful and is penetrating. To understand that, we need to go back to what Jesus said when he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. He said, he shall receive power. The Greek word there is ekahousia. You shall receive the authority when you wait on me. It's a different word that is used elsewhere in the scripture when he says you shall have power. Here in the book of Acts at 1.8, this word again means power. It means dynamite. That when I baptize you in Holy Ghost power, there will be a dynamite in your soul. So that when you speak or think, your very body will quicken. There are some things that you don't know except the Holy Ghost reveal them to you. And we could have been reading the commandments again and again without the understanding from heaven. But when we live in the power the exohusi or the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, we can find the revelation and the inspiration to make a divine imprint in time and upon the lives of the people who share our lives. In our human natural situation alone, we cannot move people to the cross. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are or how educated you are. Jesus, the founder of the church, the master teacher, come on church of God people, the rabbi, the rabboni says, tarry until you receive the power because you cannot do it on your own. You can't reason out this gospel. You can't perceive it in the flesh. You need to get in the spirit. And whenever God was about to make a sovereign move, that person had to get in the spirit. We can think of the prophet Joel. He so served God that they put him in exile. But that did not deter him from getting nearer to God. In fact, it drove him nearer to God. And on that island where they put him, living above a community in which he was not happy. 
the Bible says he felt the power and he received the revelation of God. John, because of his faith, because of his commitment, was banished by the Emperor Domitian to the Isle of Patmos. But there he drew near to God. And he must have said to God, God, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it alone. I'm going back to Acts 1 and verse 8. That the Spirit of God will come upon me and take me out of this atmosphere and bring me into an atmosphere where the Spirit of God is moving his present. The first commandment given is to love the Lord thy God. And the second is to love your neighbor. We think about the Ten Commandments first given. They're not only called the Ten Commandments, they are also called the Decalogue. And the, the Decalogue means the ten words in Greek, Decalogus, that God has given us ten words or ten statements or ten doctrines to live by. We look at Exodus 21 through 17 and we need to study them. When I was growing up in church many years ago, you had to learn them in Sunday school. I was so pleased this morning that I came and Sunday school was going on. And a dear sister found a scripture for me. When we truly study the word of God and in my day the Sunday school superintendent would come out here and you would never know who he or she would call on to give the golden text. And so you had to learn because you didn't want to feel embarrassed. You want to be able to repeat them and to repeat it word for word. And if ever a time we need to know the commandments and to put them in practice is today. The people of Israel disobeyed God. And while Moses was up in the mountain seeking the mind of God, they made a golden calf. And he came down with the tablets. And he was so incensed, so angry that he broke them. He threw them down. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, God had to reissue the commandments. Deuteronomy 5, 1 through to 21. And there it is not called the Ten Commandments. It is called a covenant at Horeb. There are slight differences in it, but God was repeating his command to the covenant people of Israel. 
Somewhere there in Chronicles 7 and 14. The Bible says God came down when the temple was to be dedicated. And listen what God says. If my people were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. If they do four things, I will do three. I will hear from heaven my dwelling place. I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their lands. They shall not suffer poverty or famine outside of the covenant relationship. They are inside the relationship and I will supply their needs. And God is the same God today. What he said then is relevant for you and for me today here in Wolverhampton. And then there is a third version with again a few changes. They are now called the Great Commandment. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through to 9. All these speaks of a central relationship between the human and the divine. If the covenant people were to have a vibrant ongoing relationship with God, they had to obey the commandments. And here are these people questioning the Lord Jesus about which is the greatest of the commandments. And there were two groups involved here, or even three. There were the Pharisees and the Herodians. But there were also some Sadducees among them. And Jesus answered them. And they were amazed at his answer. So whether the Herodians were genuine in asking Jesus a political question or the Sadducees in asking him a speculative question is not the key here. The keynote is Jesus responding to the question of which is the greatest of the commandments. Elsewhere in the Bible it says if you keep them all and fail in one, you are guilty of breaking all. But these commandments, these ten commandments, are divided into two distinct sections. When we think of how they are divided, there has been controversy by theologians over centuries. But let us look at the first four. The first four are called the vertical commandments. They form the main beam of the cross. 
They are between God and individual. God and mankind. Those first four. And they have prohibitions in each one. The second six are called the horizontal commandments. And they represent the horizontal beam of the cross. So first, we have the vertical beam and then the horizontal beam. God is speaking Christ into the situation. Not only in the book of Genesis, but here in the books of Deuteronomy and Exodus. But we can have another division because of the cross. The middle cross on Calvary's mountain was not empty. What we saw was three crosses. Two criminals and one savior. And what the third would be is that there was a reflection of the commandments with Jesus going to the cross. Some scholars have called it the magnetic commandment that Jesus draws men to God and that the Holy Spirit draws men and women to Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, except the Holy Spirit draws you. And that is why we need to understand the commandment that God, the Holy Spirit, can draw men in to his kingdom. We cannot, and I emphasize, we cannot truly say we love God until we love one another. People talk about kidology. It is kidology to tell me that you love God and don't love your neighbor. It is not a suggestion. It is not a maybe. The Bible says, love the Lord thy God and love your neighbor as yourself. And that is relevant today more than ever. In this confused world, this violent world in which we live. We need to love one another as the people of God. But it went on further. It tells us how to love God. Firstly, it says we ought to love God with all our hearts. The Greek word cardia. The heart speaks of the centrality of mankind to the very seat of our emotion. 
It was Donald G. who says, Don't come to me with your rubbish. That there is no emotion in religion. You cannot have a religion without emotion. And the greatest of all religion is Christianity. Did you think Jesus ever got emotional? The Bible says he was moved in the spirit. And if you have got the Holy Ghost, you too will be moved in the spirit. The Bible says he went to Bethany when he heard that his friend Lazarus was dead. And he wept. When the spirit of God begin to move upon you. You cannot but become emotional. When the Holy Ghost abides within you, you cannot but quicken. And there are some things that you don't understand. And you may not understand them on this side of the eternal divide. But when you get over yonder, you will understand them. Because sometimes in your workplace... Sometimes in the marketplace, sometimes in your bed, sometimes in your kitchen, you feel your body quicken. You don't even know what danger you may be in, but the Holy Ghost touches you and he makes you aware that God has given you a divine deposit here in time that you can go on. Oh, the holy writer says, Oh, he touched me. He touched me. And oh, the joy. Hallelujah. That thrills my soul. Something happened. I can't explain it. But now I know. He touched me. And made me whole. It only happened. After meeting the blessed Savior. And after being baptized. In Holy Ghost power. There are some Pentecostal today. Who want to tell us. That the Holy Ghost. Is not for our time. But what God has commanded is for all times and for all people. And the hymn writer says the Holy Ghost power is right anyhow. Right anyhow. Is right anyhow. If the preacher don't believe it, it's right anyhow. If the deacons don't believe it, it's right anyhow. If the teachers don't believe it, it's right anyhow. If the choir don't believe it, it's right anyhow. If your husband don't believe it, it's right anyhow. If your wife don't believe it, it is right anyhow. Whoa, hallelujah. 
You remember when we used to sing, send a power, O Lord. Send a power, O Lord. Send a power, O Lord. Let it now be outpoured. Send it searching and sweeping like the waves of the sea. Send a worldwide revival and begin it in me. It's part of God's commandment that the Spirit of God come upon the church. Oh, hallelujah. If Jesus needed the outpouring as part of God's commandment, you and I need it. The Bible says when he was coming up out of the waters of baptism, God Almighty opened the windows of heaven like he opened it for Noah when the floods were over and a dove came upon him. Did you know Jesus was Pentecostal? He had the power when he walked up the road and there was a funeral procession coming down. He spoke in tongues. He just walked up to the dead child and he says, Talita Kumi, daughter arise. There is still power. Power in the name of Jesus. Power in the blood of Jesus. There is still power in the church. For he commanded power. For he says, I give you, church of God people, I give you, I give you the keys of the kingdom. What you bind on the earth, I will bind it in heaven. What you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. You love me and I'll work for you. Secondly, they were to love God with all their souls. We talk about the soul as the suke. It speaks of the eternity of mankind. At the dawn of time, on the sixth day of creation, God stooped down and he made a man. And then God stretched over him and God breathed into him the breath of life. And the Bible say, he became word there is and he became a living soul he became a living entity into eternity and John wrote this is in itself a most lovely and perfect image of God mankind Walking with the Spirit of God in him. Do you know who you are this morning? Do you know who you are? Listen again to John. He says, beloved, when you obey God, when you obey the commandment, you are a son of God. Beloved, now, not tomorrow, but today, you are the son of God. Hallelujah. 
And perhaps right now you can't see what you're going to be like. But he's not finished with you yet. You haven't reached home yet. You are on a journey when you get there. Oh, hallelujah. You shall see him as he is. Oh, hallelujah. Face to face shall I behold him. Face to face to see and know. Face to face in all his glory. Because I have obeyed his commandment. Because you have obeyed his commandment. You shall see him as he is. Oh, hallelujah. He says you must love God with all your minds. The mind speaks of the intelligence, the imagination, the thought and the desire. Every one of us will be responsible to Almighty God for our intelligence, for our imagination, for our thoughts and for our desires. It is the riches of our minds or the riches of our intelligence or the riches of our imagination that make us happy and that make us rich. And then they were to love God with all their strength. This speaks of the might it speaks of the power and the security of mankind. The ancient patriarch Moses who received the Ten Commandments wrote in Exodus 15 and verse 2. Listen what he says. The Lord is my strength. It's a personal business. It's a personal testimony. The Lord is my song. And he's become my salvation. You know salvation in the Old Testament is different from the New Testament. In the salvation of the Old Testament it means deliverance. Delivering Israel, the covenant people out of Egypt. But when we look at this word salvation in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek word soteriology. It means to deliver God's people in Christ out of sin. And so we can say today without contradiction, saved by grace alone. This is all my plea. Jesus, Jesus Christus, Jesus died. For all mankind. And Jesus. Died for me. In church of God. I don't know if we still sing it. We used to sing from church hymnal. There was a time on earth. When in the book of heaven. An old account was standing. For sinners 
yet forgiven my name. My name. Your name were at the top. And the charges were many. And many things below. But I went unto the keeper. Oh, hallelujah. I went unto the keeper. And settled it long ago. Long ago. Long ago the whole account was settled. Settled long ago. Oh, hallelujah. He has become my salvation. And he says, he's my God. And I will prepare him a habitation. The Bible says that your body is a temple. And I know my time is running, Bishop. I will wrap it up. There are some people who will tell you, you can't live holy. But I believe God. He says, be ye holy. For I am holy. And the Greek word there for holy is agaios. Agaios. It means otherworldly. You are living in this world. But you belong to another world. That's where your citizenship is. Let me run with you today. I'm sorry that time is gone. In the first place, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God prohibits, hear me today, God prohibits the inferior worship of that which is spiritual. No strange gods. Neither shall thou make them. He says, for I am the Lord thy God that brought you out of Egypt, that brought you out of sin. He says, open your mouth and I will fill it with words. I am the one who stood in the lion's den with Daniel. Oh yes, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was there, but they couldn't see him. He's the same Christ who stood in a fiery furnace. And a godless Eden king. When he went to pass the furnace, he was amazed. He says, this man or these men who obey God's commandment and wouldn't bow to my God, God has come down among them. So he called, he called for the wise men. He thought he had lost a brick from the wall or a screw from the, the bolt. And he said, did we not cast three men in? Yes, my king. He said, but I see a fourth man. Do you know the fourth man? I see a fourth man. Secondly, God prohibits the sensorial imitation of that which is spiritual. Thirdly, God p- 
penalizes the inferior worship of that which is holy. Fourthly, God castigates the unholy association of that which is holy. I tell you today, mankind has two needs. Because there are two aspects to each one of us upward towards God. The vertical commandments. And across towards one another. The literal commandments. Jesus said to disciples. A new commandment. Oh hallelujah. I give unto you. That ye love one another. As I have loved you. The world outsider will know. That we are Christians. Because we love one another. Because we stand up. For one another. The commandment was relevant. For the covenant people. And it's relevant for the redeemed. People. They are not just ethical principles. They are not maybes. They are the commandments of God to every man and to every woman. To be lived out in our individual and collective life. And so Jesus gave us the Beatitudes. And then he went on and he says, Ye are the light of the world. That's the English translation. But the Greek translation says, You are the light bearers, the lambda in the world. In other words, you are not the light, but the light is in you. And as Christians today, we are called to obey God. That the light of Christ may shine in us. That men and women may know we belong. We belong to God. Would you bow with me in this place? Please. Our Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of all. And that your wisdom transcends our faith and our lives. We thank you, Father God, for the commandments, the vertical beam and the horizontal beam and the magnetic commandment with Christ hanging thereon. And who said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Thank you for drawing your people. Thank you for making us part of your family. Thank you for giving us a position as a son or daughter. And thank us, Lord, for giving us an entrance to the throne room of grace. We're so grateful, Lord. While we remain bow before God, let me ask, is there a person today who will say to me, Preacher, 
I have not kept the commandments and I want to be God's son or God's daughter and I want you to pray for me would you just slip your hand up and take it down again I have not been true to God's commandment because I have not understood them I want God to touch me again is there such a person God bless you my sister is there another I'm going to ask you just to come let me pray with you and I'm going to hand back to Bishop precious Lord